What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven fempreneurs learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Turn your dreams into actionable, marketable, and profitable plans and make your business irresistible. Hey, Bombshell. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I am your host, Amber Hurdle, ICF certified coach, speaker to Fortune 500s, and super champion of women in business. Business. I appreciate you being with me today and listening in to episode nine, The Epic Lessons I Learned as a Teen Mom, part two. So before we dig into uh, today's episode content, I want to just share a little bit about the journey with you. Um, I feel like we're kind of doing this together. This is not really something that I've done before. It's new territory for me and I've just... I'm trying to be really open about the process because I know there's things that you're doing in your business that are new. There are things that make you uh, maybe a little uncomfortable because you're not already an expert in it and yet you're still trudging forward. So, you know, just out of sheer vulnerability, girl, I'm right there with you. So um, I was looking at my stats and just some of the... Um, the demographics and and that sort of thing that you can look at when uh, you you're looking in the back end of your podcast and the bombshell business podcast is actually listened to all over the world all over the world including places i had to look up and i'm not uh, exactly uh, terrible at geography and there are still places where i was like what where is that and so it's super cool to see how many different um, countries that uh, represent the bombshell business podcast audience so um, you guys rock in our nice diverse international audience um the top three states in the United States that are represented among my listeners really weren't that big of a surprise considering my network strongholds. Um, the first one's Tennessee. Of course, that's where I live. Georgia, I lived there for a brief time. And California, where I lived until I was a teenager. Um, but interestingly, Minnesota was a close fourth right behind California. So that was kind of a surprise. Shout out to Minnesota. Um. I figured it would be another state, but, um, or another, yeah, Southern, like I, I call it the SEC states. If you're in the SEC conference, then that's where typically I have a stronger draw for my business. Um, and then the top three cities represented, uh, are Nashville, obvious. That's where I live. Atlanta used to live there. Also, um, have a, a very large network there. That's where my in-laws and, and whatnot live. And then number three was Washington, DC. So super cool there too. Like I would have never imagined that DC would be in my top three. Um, so, uh, that's, it's just interesting. This is so cool, like where people are really digging in. So um, if you're in any of those cities or not, thank you so much for for supporting this podcast and helping more women get this information that I'm sharing so that we all can be more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident in our businesses and life. Um, and then last night, I attended our monthly podcast meetup here in Nashville. Um, so if you're a podcaster, like 
certainly reach out to me because we've got a really strong group of um, really cool people here in Nashville. Nashville is just such a great city anyways, but then you boil it down to the podcasting community and it's super supportive. So we were talking about lots of different things and one of the topics is, okay, well, what is average in, in terms of downloads? Like, How do you know if you're doing well or not? So Somebody gave um, a number that basically, if you've if you've had that many downloads within the first six weeks of an episode launching, so this is per episode, um, then that's average. So, of course, being the little nerd that I am, I came home and looked at all my downloads and you know the the, the range of time, and I kind of pretty much just looked at thirty day windows, um, and I'm above average, and it's because of you. So, thank you so. Freaking much. That was very encouraging to me because sometimes I'm like, hello, is anybody out there? It's me in this microphone um, in my office. And um, I'm grateful that um, I am grateful that I do get feedback and emails and, and people send me messages on social media. So um, I do know that you're listening and I do very much appreciate that. But in the moment, like right now, it's like, hey, microphone, what's up? So I'm I'm imagining you out there, imagining you out there in California and Tennessee and Georgia and all the other awesome places that you all live. So super awesome. Um, and I do want to read one review that was out of all the reviews that have been given. Thank you again so much for taking the time to go to iTunes and and leave that five star review, but I want to give a, a shout out to a peer, um, Natalie, who is the host of Biz Chicks podcast. I met Natalie a couple years ago in Las Vegas at a conference, and um, I was actually a guest on her show. And um, so I let her know that I finally launched my own show, and she listened in and um, gave me some really great feedback just after her being in the trenches for a couple years, which was super encouraging. Thank you so much for that, Natalie. And um, and then she left this wonderful review. So I've, I've got to read it and um, give my girl a shout out. It's host Amber Hurdle taps into her experience working with Fortune 500 corporations and shares key learnings with bombshell entrepreneurs. Amber is an excellent teacher and coach who translated complicated concepts into bite-sized and actionable advice. Hit subscribe. Um, so I really appreciate that, Natalie, and everybody else who has taken that time to do that. That just helps me get into um, more ear buds and help more people. So um, by helping me, you're helping your fellow bombshells and that's a pretty cool thing. Okay, so let's get into the down and dirty. Last week, I told you my story of being a, a teen mom. I gave you the background of what life was like before I found out that I was pregnant. Um, and then I laid down, this is how I told my parents. I talked about my traumatic birth experience when they basically ripped my daughter out of my body only to find her Smurf blue from suffocation. I'm not exaggerating. That is legitimately um, the eyewitness testimony. I told you about our two weeks of visiting her in the hospital and then about how it was all just weeks before I started my senior year in high school. I mean, it was crucial. Um, but I didn't share that with you just so that you can hear my mama drama. I shared it with you so you would know that no matter what you've been through in life, you can find a way to a better place. And then I gave you a challenge and I hope you completed it. So if you didn't listen to that episode, so you don't know how much of a sloppy mess I was in, go back to episode seven and listen in and that will give you the foundation of of where today is going to um, really rest on. 
So today in episode eight, I'm going to share seven specific lessons that I learned from the teen mom trenches that actually made me a better professional and made me better at relationships eventually and better at adulting. And I, and I did it all much faster than if I had not been a teen mom. So I'm not going to candy coat it. That's why I really just told you how terrible things were last episode because I want you to understand. It's not like, oh, and then I was a teen mom and everything worked out. And it was so great. And I learned all these lessons. No, it was awful. It was... <laughs> It was so hard, but with hindsight, I can look back on it and say, you know what? I'm kind of old now. Like I am an old soul. I think I've always been a little bit of an old soul, but again, um, my one of my very best friends, Mark, says that you can't measure me in model year. You have to measure me in mileage. And girlfriend, I have lived, but I had to live very fast um, as a teen mom and, and really make up for some lost ground. So let me give you a little more background. So I think I left you, um, the saga ended last week with going back to school a couple weeks after you know, bringing my daughter home from the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to fast forward actually a couple years. So this is the end of my teen years. So I think I was 18, 19, probably more like 19 years old. Um, I got to a point through a series of mm, bad decisions and good decisions, just having to make some hard decisions for the safety and well-being of me and my daughter, and then also making some bad decisions on how I dealt with um, the emotional complications of everything that was going on there. So I'm, it's, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, I was completely innocent because I made some really crappy decisions um, that put me in some bad spots. So um, first of all, at at one season in the height of all of this intensity, um, I had four jobs. So there were multiple months where I came home two nights out of every week and I didn't even sleep at all. Like not at all. I went from job to job to job, came home, took a shower and fed my daughter breakfast and then took her to the educational preschool that was way more than I could afford, but my daughter is super smart and I was not going to just put her in front of Barney every single day. I needed her to actually use that incredible brain of hers. So I, I made a lot of sacrifices. Um, and and one of the things that, I mean, people see it now and they're like, oh, I, didn't, I wouldn't peg you as someone who has a tattoo. First of all, I got to give a shout out to my cousin, Christine in Rochester, because she is a freaking tattoo artist. So nobody should be surprised <laughs> that I have a tattoo. But the reason why I put it there was because it was a symbol of rebirth. It was on my hip to remind me that Brittany and I were starting over. It was just the two of us. Um, when you think about a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, there is a struggle to get out of that ca the cocoon, and then it turns into this beautiful butterfly. So it was a very intentional and symbolic um, message that I put on my body. So I would get out of the shower. I was so tired. I would cry. I mean, oh, I was just so exhausted. And then I would see that tattoo and be like, man, we're going to freaking do this. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Like I was inspired every single day when I looked at that tattoo. And so, oh, sometimes I'm just like, 
do y'all care about all these details? But I'm going to tell them anyways. <laughs> With the feedback that I got last time, I'm going to give you these details. So um, I'm, I, why was I working all of these jobs? Well, I, I really didn't have any support. I mean, my, my family was super emotionally supportive and they would totally, you know, just to get me to drive back to my hometown to see them, you know, they would give me gas money and things like that because I just couldn't afford it. So if they wanted to see me, it was like a 20 spot. And I hated that because I'm super independent. I started working when I was 11 years old, when I was 12 years old, I actually babysat for two Rams football players, so two NFL players, and I was making banks. So being in a position where I was an adult and I had my own child and I had to take 20 bucks from my parents to just so I can go see them was it was awful. Like I hated that. I did not want the help, even if they could give it to me. But it's the darndest thing when you're a child having a child is your parents are still raising their own kids. So they weren't really in a position to raise their kids and then you know, support me financially and the, my child. So it was, it was definitely the Amber show. Um, also known as a total shiz show because it was, it was that rough. Um, and I was starting life. Like I was starting adulthood behind the eight ball, but I'd made that promise to my daughter the the day she was born, whether she knew it or not. In my mind, I said, this child is going to have every single opportunity that any other child would have when she hits eight, when she becomes an adult, when she hits 18, when she goes to college, I want her to have every opportunity. And if, if I die trying, she's going to have that opportunity. And I just had that mental commitment in my mind the day that I was in labor. And I'm kind of, I'm scrappy. I'm a redhead. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'll show you. That's just kind of who I am. So I hung on to that as my big why. And and so that motivated me every day. That's why I worked four jobs. I remember one time that I fell asleep driving home. I had to pull over on the side of the road to take a quick nap just so I could safely drive the rest of the way home. I mean, there is, there's no making this pretty, y'all. I mean, it was ugly. I had to survive. I had to feed my daughter. I had to educate my daughter. I had to clothe my daughter. I had to keep a safe roof over her head. And then... I couldn't just sustain because then we weren't going to get anywhere. If I was going to keep that promise to, to my daughter and to myself, then I had to accelerate my success. So here are just a few stories and the seven lessons that I learned while I was in that desperate mode. So lesson number one is you have to figure out what you're great at and do it. Like you have to just do you. You can't do what you think everybody wants you to do. You have to do what you inherently are good at, what just comes naturally because we don't have time to screw around when we're trying to make ends meet, right? So I had to break into industries. I had... um uh figure out what it was that made people respond to me. I had to understand how am I going to get this job over somebody else or how am I going to get more hours or how am I going to get them to be flexible with me because my life is in total chaos. Um, and, and so it wasn't at all manipulation. I'm not advocating manipulation. It was how do I bring my best self to the table and allow that to serve the person 
that I'm I'm trying to convince that I'm the right choice. So how am I solving their problems? That that is really number one. And you have to figure out what you're naturally good at solving. What what problems can you solve without having to force it and, and where you're probably not going to fail because you're just so dang good at it. So quick story, um, I had one of multiple jobs at the time and um, we had a break-in. So um, our competitors came by to be nosy and I, I didn't know it at the time, but it was actually like the area marketing director and then the owner. So um, they came in and they were just asking questions and you know making it sound like, well, we're just concerned for our own business, so we just wanted to get a few details. But they were being nosy. We were just calling for what it is. And then while they were there, I took a sales call, an inbound sales call. Well, first of all, I'm my deal is relationship. Like, what is your problem? I'm going to help you solve it. So somebody called. They had a problem. I was trying to help them solve it. I had no idea I was good at sales calls. I didn't know. I was 19 years old. And so the next week, they came back and they offered me a job. They came back and offered me a job. Not only a a job, but a job with benefits where I could actually insure my daughter. And if we got in a car wreck, it wouldn't be a total financial emergency. They gave me a job that came with management training. They gave me a job where I was able to actually make a commission in addition to my um, base salary. And that alone way changed the game for us. All because I just did what I did. I was just who I was. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I just did what I knew to do. And somebody saw that in me and they said, okay, we need that in our organization. And I ended up being one of the top managers and um, had a lot of success with that company. So just do you. You'll hear me say that all the time. Just do you. And the right people and opportunities will be drawn to that. Okay, lesson number two. Borrow the experience of others. Let me tell you what I didn't know at 19 years old, a whole heck of a lot. So if you don't know how to do something, you need to go find someone who does know how to do it and learn from them or model them. I have so many mentors in my life, so many people that I can point to. And when I needed to buy a car, I didn't know anything about buying a car. I didn't know anything about financing. Um, Praise be to God that the man who financed me my first car actually mentored me through it. Um, I remember I had my my uh, turquoise pager, like y'all know the beepers, everybody had their codes, like we could absolutely page each other plans for the entire night and not a word would ever be said. So all you text messaging millennials that think you're all that in a milkshake, like we did that totally in code with pagers. So anyways, I had my pager out and I kept checking it and he just said, hey, you're about to sign your life away for four to five years. I can't remember how long it was. And um, and he just talked me through and he talked to me about what in the agreement I needed to worry about. And he continued to call and check on me. He was an older gentleman um, and and he was concerned about my ability to adult and and just took me in like that. So I kind of caught on at that point. And that's when I started looking for other people when I bought my house, um, when I was looking to grow in a specific area, um, whether it was sales or marketing or or whatever, I would find somebody who's good at that and then have them teach me what. And, and it could be personal things too. Um, I was I was always looking for good, strong married couples because I failed at relationships um, in terms of committed ones, anyways. <laughs> so. Um, 
yeah, you need to borrow the the experience of others and and ask questions and and help. Nobody can experience everything, but lots of people have lots of experiences. So if you'll go out there and borrow theirs, you don't have to make the same mistakes that they made. Um, it's one of the most uh, one of the key factors in my success of, of going from teen mom with you know a, a first class ticket on the struggle bus to um, being where I am today. I'm I'm still that way. The first thing I do with my with my peer network, if if I'm like when I launched this podcast, I called. All of my friends, um, Aaron Pearson over at Branding Like a Boss and Richard Ryerson over um, at uh, Dose of Leadership. And and I asked them like, okay, what is it that I'm missing here? Why am I still nervous about this? And they talked me through it and I had conversations with them and um, text message Anthony Tran over at Marketing Access Pass and you know asked him questions and because I don't know. I, I didn't know about podcasting, so I had to go ask somebody. And that's something that I learned very early on. Okay, lesson number three, shoot people straight. If you need something, ask for it. You don't You don't get what you don't ask for. So when I was working all those different jobs, the reason why I had so much work is because they knew I needed it. So I had um, a restaurant that I worked at that was 50 minutes from where I lived. And I, it was a place where I used to work. But I just told them, like, I, sometimes I need the money and I don't know until the last minute. And I don't want to spend time away from my daughter if I don't have to. And it, it was a chain restaurant. And of course, I had no relationship with the one that was actually in my own community. So he would let me drive clear across Nashville on the other side of Nashville. And if I showed up in my uniform, then I got... I got to pick up a shift and then I can make some cash and then I would have money to, you know, like pay for daycare the next day. And I would have never had that opportunity if I just didn't share like, hey, this is where here is for me. Um, I mean, that's 50-50 chance, yes or no. I mean, no's are free. Like my friend Lindsay always says, no's are free. Um, and you don't have to get butt hurt. Like if you're told no, don't get butt hurt over that. Like don't be a, a, a whiny butt about it. You asked, they said no, go find another solution, which we're also going to get to. Um, and then one boss that I had, I was, um, he had a catering company and I was a banquet server. So um, when I'm working with Fortune 500s in the hospitality industry, when I say I've done everything in hospitality, I mean it, I've done everything. <laughs> Back of the house, front of the house, everything. Um, he would have me work on all kinds of other stuff. So um, I specifically remember one day where I washed his entire camper. He knew that I was getting behind and he knew that I needed a, a nice little chunk of money and he needed his camper washed. So instead of taking it where he normally did, he parked it behind um, the building and I came and I washed his camper. I don't care. I just needed money. I needed to feed my kid. I needed to pay for educational preschool. I needed to get my roommate's rent. I, I didn't care what it was. People knew that I was hungry. Um and and then best story, I love telling this story. You need to shoot people straight even when you're in the process of screwing up, okay? So I had this car, remember, back to the car. This car, I swear it was Satan. But anyways, um, I had a car payment and the the finance company was actually local. So that had to have been part of the situation, I don't know, of, of this gentleman helping me even get the loan. Um, but I was always late. I mean, I was late every single month. Um, I, I just couldn't keep up. Like I just did not have the income compared to what I had to pay in, uh, in bills and everything each week. So um, sometimes they were able to add a payment onto the end of the loan if I hadn't done that in a while. So like every, you know, so many months or whatever. Um, but on the, on the months where they couldn't do that, I would 
call them, I would read them my budget. I would say, okay, this is what I had coming in. These are all the jobs that I work. These are the hours that I work. This is what's due this week. This is what I have to pay. Um, you know, we kind of have to eat those sort of things. And I would tell them my budget and, and I would always call them if, if I, if I said, okay, I'll have you the money by Friday. If I knew that it wasn't coming on Friday, I would call them and be like, just kidding. Um, I, I ended up not making as much money waiting tables. And so I don't have the full amount. If, you know, if it was $230, like I've got 178, you know, something like that. And, um, <laughs> I was always on the verge of my car being repossessed too. Good times. This was so much fun back then. And so when it was like the absolute cutoff date, like if you don't get it to us by five o'clock today, somebody's going to come and pick up your car and you're not going to have a car anymore, which then I couldn't get to my four jobs. And then you could see the the billowing drama that would come from that. And so they would stay. They would stay late for me so that I could drive all the way from where I live to where they were, which again was easily an hour and in traffic, um, and they would stay so that I could get that in, and they could input into the system, and so my car wouldn't get repossessed. and And it usually was down to the wire like that. Now I did make some stupid decisions, but again, remember I was doing this completely on my own. And I know there's a lot of single moms out there listening, going, "Oh my gosh, I'm in that situation right now." Like, <laughs> just do the best you can. Be honest with people. That business was a business full of people. It's not a bunch of robots. There are individuals who have other relationships. Maybe they're struggling with things themselves or they have a daughter or they have a friend who's struggling financially. They had hearts. And so just because I shot them straight and I was like, okay, this is this is where we are this week. I'm going to get you another $57. Um, and it was like a legit full finance company. It wasn't like a cash advanced place or anything stupid like that. Um, you know, they were pulling for me. And when I finally paid it off, I went to that location and I celebrated with those people because it was that big of a deal to me. And that also, by shooting people straight, served me long term because, um, you know, then I ain't got no time for pussyfooting around. Like, I, I had to communicate effectively. And when somebody needed to hear the truth, I spoke the truth. And so that's helped me um, being a good advisor to senior leaders in my career. It's, it's why I was successful working with celebrities because I don't care who you are, I'm going to shoot you straight. And women especially tend to use so many fluff words um, like, well, what what do you think if we did this? Well, what if you just said, hey, this is what we're going to do? Like, Nobody's going to cry because you're a little more assertive in how you communicate. Or I love, um, well, if it's okay with you, we're going to do this. Well, it's your project, it's your job, it's your business, it's your deal. So just Tell us what's going to happen. Tell us. And then my, my all-time favorite is, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but what are you apologizing for? Shoot people straight. Just say what it is that you need to say. This is all under the umbrella of just direct communication. And I understand not everybody's like me and that you might be a little more gentle spirit. But I know the majority of the people who listen to this podcast are those type A driven females. And so I don't want you pussyfooting around either. I want you to be very direct and you can still be kind in doing that. Um, but when people need to hear the truth, when you're screwing up, when you need help, ask for it. Just shoot people straight. Okay, lesson four. I want you to be solution oriented. If something doesn't work, Try something different. Don't go ball up and cry in a corner and say, woe is me. Freaking get on the next 
alternative. You should have, for every single problem that you're trying to solve, you should have three solutions right off the bat. So when solution number one doesn't work, you've moved on to number two. If two doesn't work, you've moved on to number three. Plan B is BS. You should have plan A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. That is how life works. And so uh, if if you're not doing that, that's probably why you are in the hamster wheel that you're in right now. And if somebody lets you down, find somebody who's more faithful. Find somebody who's more qualified. When you stop because you hit a roadblock, that's just not an option when you're on your own. If I hit a roadblock, there was nobody to catch my slack. I didn't have anybody to say, okay, I'm tired, pick up pick up the ball and run with it. Like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to be here on the 40-yard line. If you could take that in for a TD, that would be great. Like, that's not how my life worked. So if I was going to feed my kid, if I was going to provide a life for this child who was dependent on me and whom I adored and was my entire life, I just had to keep trying. And I effed up a lot, y'all. I mean, I was a hot freaking mess. And I love because people now are like, oh, you're so put together. If we could just get in the Wayback Machine where you could witness me back in the day, you would would see that that didn't come without practice. (laughs) And it doesn't always um, come every day. Like ask my daughter, she'll tell you I can never find my iPhone. Which, if you do not have PS, download, find my iPhone. It's my favorite app ever because my phone just beeps wherever it is in the house and then I go find it. But I never remember where I put it down. So practice, practice, practice by always finding another solution. And that's how you move towards success. All right, lesson number five, do what you freaking say that you're going to do. Just follow through. You'd be so surprised how many people don't do that. I just want you to, if you say you're going to do something, then then do it. And if you have to stay up all night long to get it done, then do it. And if you don't think that you can actually get it done in that time frame, stop over committing. Do what you say that what you're can I can I talk today? Do what you say you're going to do. So um for example, huge lesson learned. Um, when I moved out of my hometown where I live right now and I moved clear over on the other far west side of Nashville, um, I had to leave my gym membership. And I think like if, if you moved 50 miles or more, then you could get out of your gym membership. And I wasn't quite 50 miles and I didn't give a full 30 days notice. So technically I was supposed to pay another month. And I just looked at the owner, one of the owners, and they're deep story there. They're precious people. Um, and he was like, well, you know, you've, you you still have another month you have to pay. And I was like, well, I don't have it. Like, I don't have your $39 or whatever that was, because that was just crucial to me at the time. Um, but I knew that I owed it. So I had a little piece of paper that I had everything that I owed written down on. And then quite some time later, I picked up the phone and I called and I asked for him and I said, hey, I just wanted to confirm that it was $39 that I owed you for not turning in my 30-day notice. I want to send that to you and make it right with you. This was easily a year or more later. And um, and he said, uh, what what are you doing? Like, I just wrote that off. And and I told him, you know, I, I 
made the commitment. I signed that contract. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And I told you that I would pay it to you one day when I left town and moved. And, and of course, I mean, $39 to a business like that is like, you know, nothing. Um, and so that impressed him, evidently. I was just trying to do the right thing. And so he asked me what I was doing professionally. I explained to him what I was doing. It was actually the job that I got from just answering the phone and having a good inbound sales call. And he said, um, I'd love for you to interview for this position that I have. And I was like, well, I, I wasn't really looking. And he said, well, just just come talk to me. So I, I went and did the interview, which brought me back to what I refer to as my hometown. Yes, I grew up in Southern California, but my hometown is Lebanon, Tennessee. Shout out to Lebanon. Um, and he ended up being my first mentor. He was the best boss. And I'm, I'm going to try to say this without crying, but obviously I have not um, succeeded this person taught me the baseline of business and he's no longer with us because he finally lost a very valiant um, battle with colon cancer. But Johnny Keel was so much strength for me and he helped me go from being a kid who had a kid to becoming a woman. And he, he taught me about sales and he taught me about business and his wife, Peggy, who is still the owner of the gym and I still go to every single day. If you check my Instagram or at least my personal one, Amber Hurdle, um, you know, you'll still see me talking about leg day and, and that's, that's my family there. Um, and she taught me about understanding your personality. She was the first person to ever give me a personality assessment. They took me to conferences. They taught me about personal and professional development and they changed, they changed my life. And all of that happened because I said that I was going to do something and I followed through. Had I not picked up that phone, if I had, if I had avoided those circumstances, I would have never gotten that job and my life would have never changed. I went through 9-11 at that place. I finished college. I went back to college. I had my second child while I worked there. And, and that is such a pivotal part of my story. And it all happened just because I did what I said I was going to do. And you better believe that that has stuck with me when such a change in my life occurred. And I want to encourage you, even if you feel like you're going to look stupid, do what you say you're going to do. Even if you can't quite do it all the way, try, show the effort. People will respect you so much more and you will find so much more success if you suck it up and and do what you say that you're going to do and be a person of character who people can count on. Okay, off my soapbox for that. <laughs> Lesson number six, you have to create a winning environment. You just have to, your physical environment. If your office is a sloppy hot mess, freaking cleaning up. That's why you're not productive because you've got crap everywhere. Clean it up. If you are in a stressful season in your life, design your natural environment around you to be a soothing environment. So when I was working for jobs and and didn't know where I mean, sometimes I didn't even know where my next meal was going to come from. Like even even before this 19-year-old stage where I was kind of living out in the west side of Nashville, um, there were times where I had to go to my friend's parents' house and they knew, like nobody really said anything, but they were constantly inviting me over for dinner because then that was one less meal that I had to provide in my own home. And so um, that was super stressful. And I 
remember just my room. I had very minimal stuff. I didn't have a lot. Um, but what I did have was very comforting and pretty. And I had a, a waterfall that that I had um, going anytime I was in my room. I didn't use overhead lights. I always used lamps so that it was just softer lighting. I always fell asleep to like Natalie Merchant or Sarah McLaughlin, like it was a full-on little affair in my room (laughs) at all times because that was soothing. And so everything else was extraordinarily intense. And, And now it's it's the same way. I mean, I've, I've kind of have an intense life still. That's I'm an intense personality and we have a lot of responsibilities. And so when people come to my house, they say, oh, wow, it's really nice, but you know, it's comfortable. Like I don't feel uncomfortable being at your house. And that's so important to me for people to feel at peace. And even in my office, people say that like, oh, it's so soothing in here. That's by design. And so I want you to design your physical environments that way as well. And and there's lots of different types of environments. I'm only going to touch on physical and the people environments today because this could totally be a, an, an entire other episode. But um, your people environments, who you surround yourself with, and I, I would encourage you to go back and read my blogs about this as well um, at amberhurdle.com, is, is crucial to your success. I mean, they say that um, you're the average of the of the five people you spend the most time with, right? And um, now the one thing that I was really great at when all of this was going on and I was just hurting. I mean, I was hurting. I felt abandoned. Um, I was confused. I was trying my ovaries off to to make a life for us and, and I just kept failing. Um, and so I self-destruct and I still do that. Um, I still, when my health starts failing, I know that that's because I... I don't want to hurt anybody else. And so instead of dealing with whatever's going on, I hurt me. So this is still something that, you know, like we all have things that we have to deal with. But then I needed people to help me self-check, just like I do now. Way more intensely then than now. Like I totally catch it early on now. But then, I mean, I was, I did terrible things to myself then. Um, my sister was a huge support. Um, that was kind of the safe place of this is the raw, everything that's happening. And, um, and I didn't really have to sugarcoat or hide anything that, um, the bad decisions that I was making in addition to the good ones. Um, my family obviously, uh, was some people that I always kept close to me, even if I was trying to hide some things from my parents. Um, My roommates, I made sure. um, Sometimes I wonder if we were good or bad for each other, but um, we we certainly found enough uh, fun and and, uh, didn't always make the right decisions together. But um, for example, Brad, um, one of my roommates, Brad, he was the dad voice. It's hard to be a single mom and to be like, you know, stop jumping on the bed or, you know, random whatever that is. But when you have a booming man voice as a backup, then suddenly people stop jumping on the bed. It's crazy. And so I needed I needed those type of people. I needed to be surrounded by people who were supportive of me and who loved me and loved my daughter. And of course I loved him and his daughter and his daughter's mom and all that kind of stuff. And we were there for each other. Um, of course, I mentioned mentors, people who believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself, even when I was screwing up, they could see who I was becoming and they would lead me towards that. So having those people in my life helped me um, have that winning people environment to help me be more successful faster. Um, and, you know, and I say all the time, even to this day, I owe my success to 
all of the people who have woven their fabric into my own life quilt. And I just want you to envision that. If you're not Southern, maybe, you know, quilts aren't a thing. I think the Southern thing's kind of popular all over the country right now, that real shabby chic look. So think about a quilt and think about all the different patches that are on, that are on that quilt and how you take, you know, different memories from, from different blankets or shirts or parts of your life and you, you can make these awesome quilts. That's how I feel like my life is because so many people have invested in me that I can't claim victory on my own. I can say, thank God that these people taught me and showed me and loved me. And, and that's why I am where I am today. Um, and even today, like my, our friend circle is so strong. My husband and I are so blessed. We call it our tribe. Um, we, we have each other's back. Um, we do, we, we never do life alone. We do life in this tribe. No one does without ever. We are all very real with each other. And I'm telling you, you can't even go to dinner with us if you don't have, like, if you're sensitive, we talk over each other. We disagree on things and, but we still love each other. And, and we will tell each other if somebody's not acting right or if maybe they need to get on on the stick about something. Um, and we celebrate each other a lot. We celebrate a lot and we problem solve together. I mean, just yesterday, uh, my daughter's car broke down and I was physically on the phone with my husband. So it's not like we weren't able to, to go help her while well, my husband was out of town, but I was, you know, 10 minutes from her. And so when she beeped in, um, I told my husband, okay, well, Brittany's beeping in. Let me, let me give her a call back. And so I hung up the phone with him. But before I could even hang up the phone with my husband and call my daughter back, two of my friends were already on the ball. One was like, okay, who, do you know, do you have AAA or Amex or, you know, who do we need to call? And then my other girlfriend, Stephanie, was on the way to go get her because she was about five minutes away. And um, by the end of the day, Ray and Stephanie brought their third car over so that my daughter had a vehicle to drive while her car was getting fixed. That is a tribe. That is a community of people coming together to make sure that you never slip in life. And meanwhile, I'm just like sitting in my house while my friends are taking care of everything for my kid. Obviously, I wanted to be there, but I just wasn't fast enough. They beat me to it. And that's what you need in life. You can't be successful on your own. No woman is an island. So... Please build those amazing physical environments and, and be very cautious about who you let into your life. But today we're just going to focus on, on being encouraging about bringing good people in your life who care about you and love you and want to see you succeed. Okay, and the seventh and final point um, that I want to make with you today is um, very simple. It does get better, so keep going. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I promise you, it is not always a freight train. Um, speaking of Ray, who was the person, Ray and Steffi brought my daughter to the car. Um, we were having a conversation over the weekend and he said, you know, broken bones heal stronger. True statement. Um, I don't know the moment where I was like, oh, it's all gonna be okay because it just seemed so crucial for so long. But one day it just got okay. One day it just got better. And it might've been a mental shift for me. Maybe it was better longer than I knew that it was, but I had to believe that it was going to get better and that one day I would get there and that if I just keep doing the right things, that I would get there. And so I want you to believe that about your life. I want you to believe that about your business. I want you to believe that about your relationships. These lessons were butt kickers. I didn't learn them the easy way. I'll have to learn everything the hard way. And these seven lessons, as you can tell from the stories behind them, I had to learn the hard way. So 
getting back to borrowing other people's experience, please borrow mine. Learn these lessons. Think about these lessons. Apply them to your life. Apply them to your business, to how you interact with your employees, to how you interact with your families. And and find your own success. Find your success by following these seven rules, seven lessons that I learned in the trenches of, of teen motherhood. Um, I, I had more that I wanted to talk to you about today, but I think I'm just going to cap it right there. You've been listening long enough. Um, go over to amberhurdle.com for today's show notes. Um, it is episode eight. Um, if you want to work with me, there's a plethora of ways that you can do that at amberhurdle.com. Work with me, everything from um, becoming an official bombshell through the Bombshell Business Bootcamp um, to working with me one-on-one. I do have one slot left um, and I'm being kind of greedy with it. Um, you better be ready to go if, if you want to do one-on-one coaching with me. Just ask anybody who's coached with me and um, be a doll and leave me a, a rating and review on iTunes. And if you'll go to my show notes, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how to do that too. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I believe with all of my heart that if you put your mind to it, you can always be a bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident fempreneur. So go out there, do your thing, and I will see you next week, Bombshell. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources and be sure to tune in again. Cheers to you, Bombshell. Bombshell.